this morning for the final message of our Australia New Zealand Pastors Conference in 2024. It is my honor and my um, privilege really to welcome to our church our speaker this morning. Our speaker has been a pastor of the Church of the Open Door in Westminster, Maryland since um, November of 1995. And he has been um, in the ministry for over 46 years. And uh, he was a pastor in West Virginia for 12 years and was the pastor of Ridgewood uh, Baptist Church in Joliet, uh, Illinois for five years prior to his move to Westminster. He preaches frequently uh, for the Sword of the Lord um, and, and his conferences and is a member of the executive board for the Sword of the Lord. And um, Pastor Belcher and his wife Karen have been married for over 46 years and have three children and eight grandchildren and he's here with us to preach to us for the final um, message for our uh, so, um, conference, please welcome Pastor Norris Belcher. I'm on now, I guess, or sound like I am. Either that or my head's growing, I'm not sure what you did. <laughs> anyway, it's good to see all of you. God bless you. Let's uh, take our Bibles this morning or this afternoon and turn to Matthew chapter 15. Matthew chapter 15. I have thoroughly enjoyed the conference. It's been uh, uh, very helpful to me, and I appreciate so much all the, the preaching, except for that first sermon last night. Um, I didn't care a whole lot for that. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, Brother Hal turned around and looked, he, he kind of moved me, and, and then he moved me forward and turned me. And I said, what are you doing? He said, seeing if there's a target on your back. <laughs> so, uh, but anyway. Now, um, 
Listen, I can take it, okay? I can also dish it out. <laughs> but I can take it. No, I, I've enjoyed all those. It's just been so rich. And uh, thank the Lord for his goodness and blessing. And I do, once again, brother, appreciate so much the opportunity to preach for you. And um, I'm, I'm excited about uh, what, what the Lord's going to do. And I ask you to continue to pray for us. And uh, I am right now, now it's over. I, I'm, I was missing my granddaughter's basketball game. Um, yeah, so my wife was sending me, um, every time she had the ball, my wife was videotaping it and sending it to me. And uh, I haven't got to watch any of it yet, but, uh, but I've got it on video, so we'll see how many points she gets after a while. <laughs> all right, Matthew chapter 15, please. And uh, I want us all to stand together, and we'll start reading in verse 29. Verse 29. All right, verse 29 says, And Jesus departed from thence, and came nigh unto the Sea of Galilee. All right, so he came nigh. He didn't come to the Sea of Galilee. He came near the Sea of Galilee. All right, so keep that in mind. Uh, and went up into a mountain and sat down there. All right, so picture it now. See it in your mind's eye. The Sea of Galilee just sits in a big bowl. Uh, it is called a sea, uh, although it's um, you probably have uh, you probably have farm ponds around here bigger than than uh, than the Sea of Galilee. It's not it's not that big. Uh, you can stand on one side, look across the other side. You can stand at the bottom and look north and and see the top of it. Uh, and all around are mountains, all around. There are mountains everywhere, all right? So the Lord Jesus comes to, to this region and, and, uh, uh, of Galilee. We don't know exactly where it was, what mountain it was. Uh, the uh, the uh, ancient rabbis uh, thought that it was the uh, Roman city of Beit Shean. All right, and Beit Shean was, uh, was a city uh, that was included in what the Romans called Decapolis. All right, Deca means ten, and polis, of course, means city. And so they came to, to uh, Israel and, and, and built ten cities all around the area where their soldiers and their people could live and their families all right and so it's believed that uh that that this where he sat was just around Beit Shean area now I don't know uh if that's true or not I wasn't there when it all happened um brother Jonah what you were there what did that <laughs> All right, that's the last one. I'm serious. I'm not. <laughs> I promise I won't pick on you anymore. All right, so um, so he sat down. 
there. All right, now notice that. He walks up on the mountain and sat down there. And great multitudes, do you see that? Plural, multitudes, came unto him, having with them those that were lame. All right, think about it now. Don't just blow over this. Lame, blind, dumb. There's a joke there, but I'm going to pass it by. <laughs> that means they could not talk. All right. And then maimed. Wow, think of that. Maimed. You know what? You know what being maimed is, right? That means that you have uh, uh, lost your your arm. You got your arm broken, and uh, or you got a leg broken, and now you're maimed. All right. Back in Bible times, you could not go to to the hospital and uh, get your leg fixed. Okay. You, they 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 didn't they didn't have that. So if you broke a bone, many times you were left maimed. You could not walk. You could not use your arm. That's what maimed means. All right? And many others, and cast them down at Jesus' feet, and he healed them. All right? Now, think about it. He healed, he healed them. How many of them? Huh? All of them. All of them. Watch. He healed them, all of them. Insomuch that the multitude wondered when they saw the dumb to speak, the maimed to be whole, I remember, remember, did I preach that here in the illustration? No, that was in church Wednesday night. I'm still in Maryland, <laughs> up here. Um, sometime recently, I preached on the lepers and I showed you how that leprosy would eat your fingers or your toes off, all right? So if, let's say you're a leper and you have no hand on your right arm, you're maimed. You're maimed. Leprosy has maimed you. All right. So these folks went to. They they came to Jesus, and uh, they were made whole. They got their hand back. Amen. They got their arm back. Okay. It says uh, the maimed to be whole, the lame to walk, and the blind to see, and they glorified the God of Israel. Then Jesus called his disciples unto them and said, I have compassion on the multitude because they continue with me now. How many days? Three. Three. And how many times have you just blown right over that? This went on for three days. Jesus sat on that mountain and for three days, people brought their sick and infirmed 
and blind and deaf and diseased and maimed relatives and friends and he healed them all. It just kept going. Hey, ask yourself this question. Do you think there would have been anyone all around Galilee that had a physical problem after this incident? I tell you, if I was sick, I'd have gone. If, uh, if I were sick, I'd have been there, no doubt about it. All right, so three days and have nothing to eat. And Jesus said, I will not send them away fasting lest they faint in the way. And his disciples say unto him, whence should we have so much bread in the wilderness as to fill so great a multitude? And Jesus said unto them, how many loaves have ye? And they said, seven and a few fishes. And he commanded the multitude to sit down on the ground. And he took the seven loaves and the fishes and gave thanks and break them and gave to his disciples and the disciples to the multitude. And they did, what's the next word? All. Well, I wonder what all means in the Greek. <laughs> means all, everyone. All right, and they all, uh, they did all eat and, oh, I like this, they were filled. They were filled. I'm telling you folks, the Lord Jesus and that salvation that he provided for us, it satisfies the soul. Amen. All right. Read on. They were filled and they took up of the broken meat that was left, seven baskets full. And they did, uh, they that did eat were 4,000 men besides uh, women and children. All right, so there's 4,000 men. So if you have 4,000 men and they each have a wife, that's 8,000. And then there are 2.3 kids. All right. So what you got now? Uh, 15, 16,000 people. Huh? He took this little amount and fed all of them. All of them. Oh, please let that sink in. I mean, you talk about a mighty miracle. This is one right here. Right? And he sent them away. And then took a ship and he went to the to the coast of Magdala. Alright, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your wonderful word. And Father, I pray you'll bless this morning and open our understanding to your word. I want to thank you so much for the message that we've already heard and been challenged with. 
Father, thank you for the sweet spirit that's in this place. I'm sure that's a reflection upon all of these pastors that are here today. We reproduce what we are. And Father, I, I thank you for the kindness and the sweetness of all these people, a reflection of leadership. Father, I pray now you'll bless. Help me as I speak. I want to be a blessing. Lord, the only way I can be is if you help me. And so as best as I know how, I yield myself to you. Father, I ask you to help me as I speak. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much. You may be seated. Thank you. I'm going to entitle my message this morning, Let's Go to the Mountain. Let's go to the mountain. Now, let me give you a little background here. By the way, the feeding of the 4,000 that I just read for you, this is not the same as the feeding of the 5,000. They're two separate events. They're two separate events. The feeding of the 5,000 is in the previous chapter, and that was done along the shores of the Sea of Galilee. All right, so then you've got this one, and this one is near, near the Sea of Galilee, but it's not at the Sea of Galilee. All right, now, here's what I want you to consider. The Lord is, is at his very heart, at the very heart of his Galilean ministry. And he took his disciples a little bit earlier, and he went out of Israel proper. It was the only time he did so. He went out of Israel proper to the twin cities of Tyre and Sidon, which are in Lebanon. And in Lebanon, he, uh, he probably took them over there to get away from the crowds, although it did not work. The crowds still followed him. And so... In, in, uh, in verse 29 of our, of our text chapter here, we see the Lord returning to the Galilee region. And in verse 30, we read that great multitudes, notice now the plural, multitudes, huge numbers of people came to see him, to hear him, and to just be in his presence. Now, folks, I want you to notice that we are told, uh, Matthew tells us in the story, that the Lord Jesus went up into a mountain. And I started to think about that. Those mountains are on the east side and the west side of the Sea of Galilee, and they just form. A, 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 a mountain range that goes all the way down, uh, uh, all the way down into the desert, below, below Jerusalem, down into Beersheba, just to the left of, of uh, Beersheba, or right if you're looking at a map of Beersheba, and so, so the Lord uh, is, um, uh, he, he's, he's in the mountain, and uh, and the last trip 
that I took with my, uh, I take folks from my church that want to go, uh, and, and my wife and I host our people over to, uh, to Israel for 10 or 12 days. And uh, the last time that we went to, to Israel a couple of years ago, uh, two years ago, uh, we went to Beit Shean, just, just right a mountain over from the Sea of Galilee. And I stood there and looked at those mountains around and pictured in my mind this event happening. As you stand on a mountain that looks over Beit Shean, the ruins of the old Roman city, and there's the stone road where they, a cobblestone road where they cut the rock and laid it and, and pressed it into the ground. There are all these marble pillars that they use to prop up their buildings. Uh, it, and they're everywhere. They're just literally laying everywhere. It's amazing to see. And I sat on the mountain. We climbed up. Some of us did. Not all. But some of us climbed up because it is just that a high mountain. And I was gasping for air as we went up. Not as young as I once was. And I got up on the top of it and I looked out and I could see that cobblestone road coming right towards me. And I wondered, is this where the Lord Jesus sat? We don't know exactly where it was, but boy, I sure had a good time thinking about this passage of Scripture. And that's, that's basically where this message came from. Just first-hand experience of sitting on a mountain in Israel, looking down upon a city that would have been filled with people. And for three days he sat up there. And you know, the Lord Jesus did, uh, uh, and, and God, uh, they've done some of their greatest work on mountains. He gave Moses the law on Mount Sinai. Uh, he revealed himself to Elijah on the mountain through the still small voice. The psalmist said that Mount Zion, heaven, is on the sides of the north, the city of our great king. The Lord Jesus gave his great sermon on the mount in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. The inner circle of the disciples saw the transfiguration of the Lord Jesus where Moses and Elijah showed up to discuss the cross that was just soon coming for the Lord Jesus Christ. They came to discuss the cross with the Lord Jesus. Wouldn't you have liked to have heard that conversation? And of course, the Lord Jesus paid the price and died on the cross on Mount Calvary for our sin. And when he ascended back to heaven, he did so from 
the Mount of Olives, the Mountain of Olives. And folks, when he comes back, he's going to come back at his return, not the rapture, but the return seven years later, touched down upon the Mount of Olives once again. So God does his best work on the mountain. I think I'm safe in saying that whenever God, our Father, or the Lord Jesus Christ, God's only begotten Son, is on a mountain, something pretty spectacular is about to happen. And notice that the Lord Jesus walked up the mountain and once there, he sat down to receive the people. I'm telling you, something amazing is about to transpire. Now, the Bible here tells us that when he sat down, great multitudes, great multitudes came to him. They came to him and these multitudes, now make sure you get the distinction here now, these multitudes, when they came to him, they brought with them. All right, the great multitudes were not infirmed, maimed, blind, deaf. They brought those who were maimed and blind and deaf. You see that? The multitudes came and they brought all these sick folks with them. And it does not say exactly how it happened. But in my mind, I see the Lord Jesus sitting there from sun up till sundown. And I see people walking up that mountain. Uh, as I stood there on that mountain and looked out, looked out across Beit Shean, in my mind's eye, I saw like, 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 uh, like a camel trail going up a mountain. You know, just people lined up, waiting their turn. I could see it in the morning. The Lord Jesus sits there, and a big old smile comes over his face. And he turns to John and says, John, here they come. This is going to be a great day, John. Amen. This is going to be a great day. And one by one, here they come. All right? Now, think of this, folks. Think of this. When this multitude of people came... And they brought their sick with them. We are told here, he healed them. Now, how many of them did he heal? All of them. Everyone who came. You see, that's the thing about the Lord Jesus Christ that is amazing to me. It does not matter what the need might be. The Lord Jesus is the answer to every need. Amen. And that's what was going on 
for that three-day period as they came to stand before him. Now, I want us to take a couple of things away from this passage of Scripture, just a couple of, of simple truths that I want to pull out and help you with. Now, let's not forget the message is entitled, Let's Go to the Mountain. Can you imagine? Well, hold on now. Can you imagine? Word gets out. Word gets out. There's a dad over here, and he's got a boy who is crippled in his legs. And that father has done everything he can to help his son. He has taken him to doctors. He has taken him to the priests. He's done everything he can to get that boy well and walking. And word comes over and says, uh, man, you ought to get your son over to Beit Sheehan or wherever the, the, the mountain was. Oh, yeah, why? Well, Jesus of Nazareth is over there, and he is healing everyone who comes to him. Amen. And that father gets a gleam in his eye, and he turns, and he says, Mama, pack us a lunch. We're heading out. And he takes that boy, puts him on his shoulders, and starts walking. He starts walking. He gets to Beit and he sees this long line going down the mountain. Jesus is up there. Long line. And he looks at his, puts the boy down and looks at that line and he thinks, oh my goodness, we're never going to get up there. Oh, that's not the way you need to look at it. You'll get there. You'll get there. But he says, son, we walked this far. We're going to stick to it. So he gets in line. Every now and then, somebody's coming down who has been healed. And the father looks over and says, what did Jesus do for you? And that boy says, uh, that, that man says, uh, well, uh, I took my granddaddy up on there to see up on the mountain to see Jesus and all he did was just pray for it and boom just like that my grandfather can now see and that father looks at his own little crippled son and he says you hear that son Jesus helped that old blind man to be able to see and one by one, as they come off, and he's getting closer and closer and closer, he asked them, what did Jesus do for you? And they tell him, and man, he's excited. He knows that it's just a matter of an hour or so, or two hours, until it's his turn. And he's going to be face to face. With the Savior of the world. So the boy looks, he's standing there and he looks up. He says, Daddy, I can't walk up there. 
I can't get up there. I, I, Dad, man, that's a long way up. I can't get there. Dad reaches down, grabs his boy, and holds him up in his arms, said, don't worry, son, I'm going to take you up there. I'm going to take you up on the mountain. You don't worry about how you're going to get it. I'm going to take you up there. You with me? That's our job. Take people up on the mountain to see Jesus. You see, our job, that's point number one, if you guys are taking notes, and by all means, take notes. I uh, uh, told several folks yesterday, they said, man, I enjoyed your message. I said, thank you. Go home, clean it up, and use it. All right? Your people are going to say, wow, that was a great message. You just smile and say, thank you. <laughs> Not a problem. You can preach this one. I don't care. Not at all. There's nothing new under the sun. All right, so number one, our job is to take folks up the mountain to see Jesus. There was something fascinating about the way this is all worded. Look at verse 30. And notice it says, Great multitudes came to him on the mountain. And it was a great multitude that came who brought with them the folks who were blind and deaf and lame and others. Jesus was up on the mountain. So how did these poor infirmed folks get to him. Well, I'll tell you how it happened. Somebody had to help them. Somebody had to help them. Folks, that mountain that I stood on over there, I mean, you could clearly see Beit Sheehan out in front of that mountain, but you had to zigzag. I mean, it took a while to get up there. I was gasping for air when I got to the top. I had some teenagers from our church with me and they're going, come on, pastor, let's run. I said, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Help yourself. Knock yourself out. Oh, no, come on. No, no. No, God gave me a brain. No, thank you. <laughs> right? Mercy. Somebody had to help them up. Hey, folks, in many of the cases, some of those who needed the Lord's healing had to be carried up the mountain. All right? They had to be carried. I mean, I can see some big old lunky teenager, and that teenager is... It, it, his, his mom and dad have brought him and, and they put him in the car and brought him because he was crippled in his legs and he gets to the bottom of the hill and he looks up and he looks at his dad and says dad how are we going to get up there and the dad says well son I don't know I never thought about that I didn't know he was going to be up there He's up on the mountain. How are we going to get up there, Mama? Mama looks around and she sees a couple of 
young strapping men and she says, hey, uh, could you, with a tear in her eye, she says to them, could, could you help my husband and me? We, we need to take our son up on the mountain to see Jesus. And those four boys look at that son and they say, he's pretty heavy, isn't he? He's pretty heavy. What? Well, I guess, I guess we'll help her. So they come over and they pick him up and they start carrying him up the mountain. Wow. Wow. Folks, <laughs> here's the marvel of it all. No matter who came, Jesus healed them. Every person who was taken up the mountain was healed of their disease. Every one of them. Now again, folks, I'm glad that somebody came in 1970 and knocked on our door. And we, we opened the door and it was the local pastor. And he said, you folks just moved into the area, right? My mom said, yeah. And he said, well, I'd like to invite you to come to our church Sunday morning. Do you go to church anywhere? My mom said, no, but we're trying to get this heathen in church right here. She pointed at me. <laughs> the heathen. Yeah. Or as we say in West Virginia, the heathen. Yeah, you, you know that, don't you? Yeah, he's a heathen. What? I don't think that's a word. Well, it is now. I just made it one. And so my mom said, well, we'll be there. And I was, I was 16 years old and rebellious as I could be. And I thought, you'll be there. I'm not going to be there. And so Sunday morning came and I didn't go. I didn't want to go. And my mom went to church. She came home. She was all excited. She said, hey, you're going to love church. And I said, no, I'm not. I ain't going to love church. My mom said, but honey, you need to go to church. You need the Lord. I said, no, I need to be left alone. That's what I need. And went about my day. Well, Thursday night of that week, I'm downstairs watching television, knock at the door again. And I heard my mother get up from the kitchen table and walk across the floor and open the door. I heard voices talking upstairs. And I thought, well, who in the world's that? But I was watching television and I did I, you know who is that I don't care back to TV so all of a sudden I hear somebody coming down the steps and it was that preacher 
He got to the bottom of the steps and said, hey, how you doing? And I said, good. What might you be doing here? He said, well, I've come to talk to you about the Lord. I said, I don't want to talk about the Lord. He said, well, let me ask you a question. I said, no, no, no question. I knew what you were going to ask me. No, no question. And I said, sir, I'm not trying to be unkind. Not trying to be unkind to you. But the simple truth of the matter is, I don't want anything to do with your church or you or your God. And I would appreciate it if you'd just leave me alone. Well, he turned and went upstairs. And I heard the discussion upstairs. I turned the TV down. <laughs> and I heard the discussion. And I thought, well, about it was it was like 7:30 when that happened. And finally, about nine o'clock, I was so hungry, I was about to eat my arm. If I'd had some salt, I would have eaten my own arm. Rather than have to go upstairs and face the wrath. But sure enough, I, my stomach won out and I went upstairs and there's my mother sitting there at the, at the table in our kitchen and she's crying. Oh man, I can handle anything but my mom crying. And I said, what are you crying about? You're gonna die and go to hell and you don't care. <laughs> I said, no, that's really something to cry about. She said, you just don't understand. I said, probably. That's probably true. But I don't care. And so she said, she just kept on. Yak, 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 yak. I was getting a bowl of ice cream as fast as I could get a bowl of ice cream. And she just kept on. I went downstairs. She followed me downstairs. You're going to die and go to hell and you don't care. I said, Mom, would you just stop with the waterworks? Stop, stop crying, stop being so dramatic. I'll go to church with you someday. Well, just like that, she turned it off. Back upstairs, she went, and I thought, wow, that was easy. <laughs> That was the, I didn't know that's all I had to do. In my mind, someday meant way down the road. But you know what happened Sunday morning? This was Thursday. Sunday morning, here she comes. Come on, banging on my bedroom door. Come on, time to get up, time to get up. I said, go away. No, you said you'd go to church. I said, I will someday, not today. <laughs> and I knew I was going to have to get up. She would still be standing there knocking on that door if I had not gotten up. So I got up. Ugh. Boy, you talk about a good attitude to go to church. Oh, man, I had one. 
It was, it was terrible. We went to church, and that preacher got up, and he pointed his finger at me. You ever go to church and think you're the only one there? <laughs> I mean, I thought I was the only one in church, and he had this, he had this finger. He was left-handed, so everything he did, he gestured left-handed, and I was sitting over on that side against the wall. And he point that finger and preach at me. <laughs> Shake it. And while he was shaking it, it would grow until it came and just dangled right under my nose. I mean, it was so bad, I was looking around. I thought, I'm the only one in here. <laughs> I'd look around and make sure others were there. So we got out in the car. My mom said, wasn't that awesome? I said, were you in the same building that I was in? No. She said, oh, it was great. I said, no, it was awful. I said, and by the way, I am mad at you for telling him stuff on me because he preached right at me. No way he could have known that unless you told him. <laughs> she said, I didn't tell him anything. I said, yeah, you did. You can't tell me. Oh, I, I, I was so mean back then. Not that I'm now. <laughs> you see, there's that looking again. <laughs> so I said, I'm never going back. Well, the next Sunday, there I was back in church again. Same preacher, same nine foot long finger, same shaking it right under my nose. Got out in the car, mom said, wow, that was tremendous. Well, I'm not going back. Oh, it was good, you just won't admit it. And I said, no, it wasn't good. She said, well, what was wrong with it? And I said, it was directed specifically at me. She said, no, it wasn't. And I said, yes, it was. And I'm never going back. Well, the next Sunday, I went back. <laughs> Same thing. Got out in the car, never going back. And then the next Sunday, the fourth one in a row, four times, that's like a record or something. You know? Four Sundays mornings in a row and I'm sitting there he's preaching he's got the finger going he's pointing it at me we stood to sing just as I am the hymn now I had been paying attention in the first three service uh, services they only sang two stanzas you know and then he would say, bow your head, you may put your books away. And so everybody put their books away. Two stanzas, and then the girl would play a little bit on the piano. And 
he would say, okay, let's pray and we'd go home. Well, I was under conviction. And he said during the invitation, if you're here today and not 100% sure you're going to heaven, would you let me pray for you? And I thought, well, I guess it wouldn't hurt if he prays for me. So he said, would you just raise your hand? So I went, <laughs> you know. Hey, I'm going to tell you something. There's no way that man could have seen that. <laughs> Do you know what he said? Yes, son, thank you. I see your hand. <laughs> I felt like everybody in the church went and looked at me. And so we sang the first stanza. I'm holding on to the pew. Man, I'm holding on to the pew. My knuckles are white. Holding on to the pew. He said, let's sing the second. I thought, okay, just, this is it. Second stanza, this is it. We're not going to do any more. So I kept holding on. He said, let's do the third stanza. I thought, whoa, you never done that before. What do I do now? So I gripped it harder. I just was holding on for dear life. And then he said, let's bow our heads. I thought, whew, I made it. He said, with heads bowed and eyes closed, I'm going to ask our music director to sing the fourth stanza. <laughs> you know? broke let's go home so he sung the fourth stanza and I thought I made it do you know there's five stanzas in that song <laughs> yeah yeah so he had all of us take the books back out and sing the fifth stanza and on the fifth stanza this little girl that was sitting beside of me cuter than a speckled pup she was the cutest little thing. She elbowed me and she said, why don't you go forward and get saved? You know you want to. And I looked at her and I looked back up at that preacher and that preacher standing up there with his hand out. And man, the Lord broke my heart. And down the aisle I came and the youth pastor knelt with me at the altar and led me to Christ. And he healed me spiritually. My spiritual leprosy was gone. My spiritual blindness was gone. My spiritual lameness was gone. That's what Jesus does. Now, think about this, folks. Don't you think up on the mountain there were a bunch of critics? Huh? Sure. Critic, critics are everywhere. You know? Those old long-nosed Pharisees. You know? Those Sadducees. Those priests. I'm sure that they came up on the mountain just to sit up there and badger everybody who came up. I wonder what they said. 
Well, I can, I imagine, I don't know, I wasn't there, but I imagine that after somebody came and got healed of their infirmity, one of those old priests standing off to the side mocking said, that's not going to stick. That's not going to last. That is easy healism. Huh? Hello. Y'all speak English in here? Yeah. Boy, that got quiet, didn't it? Oh, that's just so easy healism. Really? Really? That's easy healism? That's, you know, well, that's just easy believism. No, it's not. Folks, when Paul went down to the river and led Lydia to Christ, do you think that it took him nine months to do that? He had to disciple her first and then get her to take this course and then get her in that Bible Institute and make sure she understands all the terms of baloney. He told her the gospel and she believed it. That's not easy believism. Amen. That's sharing the gospel. Amen. I can see the, I can see them standing off to the, uh, you know, the Calvinistic element. The Calvinistic side of the critics. And they're all standing over there watching him. One of them says, well, that's not real. That's not real. But you know, when that boy came up, he was lame. He was lame. After the Lord healed him, he stood up and he's bouncing around all over the place. He's excited. His daddy is excited. His mother is excited. And the critics are standing over here and says, well, we had a meeting. And uh, we, we voted that this young man right here is not one of the chosen. It's not one of the elect. And so not being one of the, the elect, we have determined that there's no way this man, this boy, was healed. Well, excuse me. Yes, he was. You say, well, how do you know he was healed? Because God said so in his word. Amazing, isn't it? All right, now. One more thing, I'll show you one more thing. I got 10 more things, but. <laughs> I want you to notice something very, 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 very important here. You know, there's a whole room full of folks right here this morning, this afternoon, today, January 2024. There's a whole room full of us that were spiritually blind at one time. We were 
death to the truth of God's word. We were maimed in that we could not walk the paths of righteousness. But what happened? Somewhere, somehow, somebody took us up on the mountain to see Jesus. All right? Now, now, now follow this. Follow this point. Let me make sure I'm going down the right road. Think about it, folks. They did not, when they came up that mountain and got their healing, they did not glorify the one who brought them up the mountain. All right, do you see that? They, they, didn't, they didn't glorify the one that brought them up on the mountain. Folks, let's, let's imagine, okay? Let's imagine. Here's a blind man. Blind. He's been blind all his life. And he is ushered over to the bottom of the mountain. And he says, his friend says, we got to get up on the mountain. That's where Jesus is. We got to get up there. Well, I can't. I'm blind. I can't. I, I don't know where we're going. I'll guide you. I'll help you. And he takes him by the hand and he says, Now there's a big rock here. Step over it. So he steps over the rock. We're turning right here. We're turning now. So he turns and he just keeps going and he guides him and sets him right down on the ground in front of the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> Can you see it? All right, now, that young man is on his face. He's on his knees. He is so humbled. He doesn't even, he can't see what's going on. The disciples are standing around and they're smiling from ear to ear. Even they have not seen anything like three full days of revival breaking out. And that father, that, that uh, son of the blind father, he said, Dad, I got it. We're un uh, it's all under control. Now, I want you to understand, Dad, you're on this mountain, so don't lean back. Right? Don't want to fall off the mountain. He said, don't lean back. And he says, Dad, Jesus is right in front of you. And the dad smiled. He's heard that name before. And the Lord Jesus says, Sir, thank you for your faith that you would come and walk up that old mountain to kneel down here in front of me. And I can see the Lord Jesus just reaching out his hand, putting it on his shoulder and praying. Heavenly Father, open this man's eyes. Now question, not praising the man, the, the one that brought him up. All right? I get so sick of idolatry. I mean sick of it. You know, we have in the States all these camps, you know, and everybody, all the preachers have to check in with headquarters to see 
what they're supposed to believe about an issue. Good night. Think for yourself, would you? You don't have to call somebody and get their opinion as to what they believe and make sure that you don't fall out of graces with the Godfather. Oh, please. So tired of all that stuff. Here he is, humbled. He's blind. The Lord Jesus touches him. Who do you think would be the first person that that blind man would see after the Lord Jesus healed him? It would be Jesus himself. Now, what do you think would be the first thing out of that blind man's life? Remember now, he's been blind since birth. His whole life darkness but now Jesus heals him <laughs> you think he stood up and said oh son thou art I mean thank you to my great son my loving compassionate son that well wait a minute you just brought me here didn't you Jesus praise God praise you praise the Lord Jesus because you see, it's Jesus that healed him. You don't have to get somebody's opinion on how you ought to behave. Go to the book. Read the Bible. Quickly, number three. We've seen, we've seen the infirm get their blessing. All right, but notice lastly, those who brought them got their blessing too. You say, how's that? Well, the Lord looked at that multitude after three days. They hadn't had a thing to eat. And the Lord said, are we going to send these away hungry? Do we send these away hungry? And the disciples, you'd think those guys would learn, you know? I mean, they just went through this the day before over in, at the Sea of Galilee. We don't have enough food to feed all these people. We don't have enough bread. We don't have enough fish. Goodness, look at this. There's 16,000 people around here. Lord Jesus said, well, what do you have? Said, well, we got some loaves of bread and a couple of fishes. Well, go get them. So they went and got them. He prayed and gave it to the disciples. And the disciples started going around, handing it out to everybody. And to every time they gave some away, more appeared in their, in their basket. So everybody got blessed, didn't they? Everybody enjoyed that. And folks, that's exactly the way it is with salvation. You come to Christ. God changes your life. God changes your life. I, uh, listen, before I got saved, drugs, drunkenness, after I got saved, stopped. I stopped that immediately. 
Before I was saved, curse, oh my. But I stopped. Oh, I let a couple slip right after I was saved. And man, did I get under conviction for that. But you see, the point being, everybody got in on the blessing. And everybody benefited. And thank God somebody gets saved. They come to church. They walk down the aisle. They get baptized. Amen. I've seen some of the cutest little babies around here. I had one of them in my arms last night. And I was trying to get the parents distracted so I could take the baby. <laughs> I want, I love, grand, I love babies. Oh, they're awesome. And that little gal was smiling at me. She'd put her finger in, in my mouth and I would act like I was biting it and she'd just, she'd just grin from ear to ear. Nothing like a baby. It brings life, doesn't it? And so here you are in church and you're getting a bunch of newborn babes in Christ. That's exciting. And it's a blessing to everybody else. But you get your blessing because you get to grow and learn now. The sad thing comes when we all become professionals. You know, we're professional Christians. We know what to say, when to say it, who to say it to. We know when to stand, when to sit, when to say amen, when to nod our heads. And that's not when you're sleeping. And a woman in my church years ago, she had a she wore a hat to every service. Every service. She had winter hats, spring hats, fall hats summer hats and almost every time didn't matter what time, there was a flower or a feather that came out of her hat and I knew how I was doing in the sermon by whichever direction that flower moved if it went this way I was good if it went this way I, oh no what did I just say and she hung on every word. So folks, let's get some folks up to see Jesus. Amen. That's what soul winning is all about. That's why we have a bus ministry. That's why we have a senior citizens visitation on Monday morning. That's why we have soul winning visitation on Tuesday uh, evening. And that's why we have uh, uh, the youth visitation, the teenage visitation on Wednesday, right after school, right after school, 3.30, they get in the vans and take off. They're knocking on doors, passing out tracks, leading folks to Jesus. That's why we have Thursday night, the soul winners club. And we get just everywhere spreading the gospel. And as I said yesterday, you tell people how to get to heaven and God will tell people how to get to your church. 
So much of our going out, visiting, is to try to get people to come to our church. Well, you're, you're putting the emphasis on the wrong syllable. All right? We are to go out to get people up on the mountain to see Jesus. He's the one that can help. Let's go to the mountain. Bow your heads with me, please. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your wonderful word. Bless this. Speak to our hearts. I ask you to give us understanding of the importance of just getting folks up the mountain to see Jesus. Father, I pray you'll speak to our hearts. If every person in this room this afternoon were to go out and win one person to Christ and then get them back in here, get them in church, get them growing, love them, Disciple them. Oh my, what a difference we could make. So Father, help us to see a world that is just filled with infirmities, with disease, with sickness, sin sickness. Father, help us to realize that we need to get these folks to someone that can help them. Speak to our hearts, Father. And with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, God speaking to your heart about taking folks up on the mountain. You say, Preacher, I want to be a soul winner. I want to take folks up on the mountain. I want to be able to take a Bible and show somebody how to be saved. Would you pray for me? Would you slip your hand up all over this building? All over this building. Amen. God bless you. Man, what an impact just this number would have on New Zealand. But we got to do it. We got to do it. I want, man, if you would play whatever. Let's stand to our feet, please. Let me invite you to step out and come. God do something for you. You raise your hand. You said, Preacher, pray for me. Well, how about you come and you, you, you pray. You pray for yourself. You ask God to help you to be the soul winner that you need to be. You can't kneel down. There are seats down here. You can just walk down here and sit in one of these seats. You can walk down here and just stand.
these things and putting these things into action. Lord, please help us. Bless, Lord, those people who came forward. Thank you, Lord, for their humility. Thank you, Father, for their decision that they have made this morning. Please, Lord, prosper their desire in you. Give them, Lord, the, the, the things that they need. Equip them, Lord. Enable them so that, Lord, whatever um, bows that we have bowed unto you today and throughout this week, that they may be able to fulfill it, Lord, for your glory and for your honor. That all these things, Lord, that um, we are uh, going to do and planning to do will redound to your glory and honor because, Lord, this will translate into the salvation of souls. Please, Lord, save New Zealand. Yes. Save the souls of the people that are in this land. And use us, O oh God. We are not worthy to be used by you, O oh God. We are nothing. We are um, um, frail. Uh, we are weak. But Lord, we praise you because you are strong and you are in our heart. And you use your power, Lord, through us. Lord, save the lost and draw all these people that have received you as Lord and Savior to do your service and to surrender our lives to you. Bless, Lord, those people who have surrendered their lives to you. Thank you, Father, for bringing to us the preachers this week. Continue, Lord, to use them mightily into many places, Lord, and many um, cities and congregations that will be steered and that will be, um, uh, Lord, will be encouraged to continue the work. Please, Lord, use these men mightily. And allow these uh, men also, Lord, in the future to be able to come back in this place and, Lord, um, join with us once again. Um, continue, Lord, with our uh, vision. Continue with um, with a fervor, Lord, that um, desire in our heart that before um, you would come, many souls would be converted unto you. Bless the churches, Lord, um, that now gathered here this morning. Bless the pastors, the, the men and women behind the ministries, Lord. Help each one of us, O oh God. First, Lord, to have a clean life. And um, a desire in our heart to be used by you. Heal the relationships of the homes. Heal the relationship, Lord, between spouses and parents and children. Lord, convict the hearts of our children. Help them, Lord, that they may see as you have seen um, of the cities and towns and, and the society that we are living in. That there are souls around us that need to be saved. Please, Lord, do your wonders, O God. Do those miraculous, Lord, that you have done in the past and do it today in our midst also. And save the souls of men. Thank you, Father. Thank you for all the preachings that uh, we have heard, the encouragement. I pray that you'll continue to use us. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Now, please be seated.